Kia ora. This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. everyone and welcome to another week of Community Zone here on 106.1 FM Wellington Access Radio. My name is Simon Howard and coming up in the next hour we are taking a look at the very best of what's happening on screen and on stage across Pornicky. Now I'm very excited because joining me in the studio right now is uh, Imogen Stone from Laser Kiwi and Dream Garden. We're talking multiple shows in one interview. Imogen, uh, kia ora, welcome to Access Radio. Oh, thank you so much for having me. No, it's a pleasure. We'll, we'll chat all things uh, Laser Kiwi and Dream Garden in just a second. Uh, a little bit later in the hour, around 5.25.25, Waiting opens at Bats Theatre tomorrow. And that's an evocative coming-of-age story celebrating beat poetry delivered uh, with physical grace. Um, writer and performer Shaden Meredith joins me alongside director Amelia Reed Meredith. Then, a little bit later in the hour, the Dock Edge Festival moves into cinemas this week. It opens at the Embassy this Thursday night. Off the Rails is one of the films screening this weekend. It follows two daredevil teenagers in the UK as they seek to find their identities and numb their pain by performing dangerous acts of parkour. Uh, Kiwi director Peter Day is on the line to tell me how he made this fascinating documentary and it's really one worth checking out. But uh, here, now, on stage in Wellington this weekend, Laser Kiwi are back and Imogen Stone joins me. Imogen... Laser Kiwi are awesome. I'm a Thank big fan. you. So, you know, you've already converted me. Oh, fabulous. <laughs> um, <laughs> One down. <laughs> but let, let, no. let, let's find out more because this is like the first time I've, I've got to chat to, to yeah. a member of Laser Kiwi on the show. Yeah, so, it's the first time we've met. It's yeah. awesome to be here. Um, so when did Laser Kiwi first get together? Can you remember how that all happened? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, the first show of Laser Kiwi, essentially we were going to Canada to tour our street theatre work um, and we got offered a spot inside a theatre and they were like, hey, do you want to do something in here? So we were like, what can we fit inside one suitcase that's going to be really fun? So the beginning of Laser Kiwi was very like hodgepodge kind of show written on an aeroplane. Um, and we just kind of biffed it on stage in true like kind of Laser Kiwi form. And the response was awesome. And we ended up just touring it. So we toured it across Canada that year. We took it back the following year. We took it wow. through Australia. Yeah, we've got probably like a couple hundred shows under our belt of that original show. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's like surreal sketch circus. So we take concepts, put them all in a row and see what sticks. Um, and it's been a really freeing fun format for us to like shine and try things nice. yeah and how do you guys tend to be sort of inspired around the different sketches that you put together in your shows do you do you just sort of get together and rehearse and devise frequently is or is it just sometimes just a, something that comes into your head in the middle of the night and oh just like, pops in a like we'll be having like a serious like team meeting and then someone will be like hey what if we tried this you know so they kind of come from left of field we don't often like sit down and be like let's come up with something for the show right they're just sort of a collection of ideas that we'll have over the course of a year or two. Mm-hmm. And then the show is kind of a celebration of all of them. Nice. Um, but the real craft is in bringing the audience in on a journey, you know, like getting them to sort of like ride the roller coaster with us and really embrace the, the juicy, good, like high level circus and also be able to handle like a mime pun, you know, it's <laughs> yeah, such yeah, yeah. a fine balance to bring the audience in and to trust us. Yeah, because yeah. the Laser Kiwi show I saw last year in Fringe, that was like, 
you know, you guys did your bits, but then there was also like an incredible variety of acts, right? From stand-up comedians that were in astronaut outfits, yeah, yeah. like chefs that were like, there was fire, I think, and knives and yeah. there was just all sorts of different acts. Is that sort of a big part of the show now as well? No, not at all. So that show is called Idiom, right. which is essentially like la- the essence of Laser Kiwi, which is like celebrating variety and quirky comedy and good production value you know what I mean like it's quite juicy um so idiom is us bringing other artists of the variety scene into into the world with us um and then so laser kiwi rise of the olive is myself and Zane and Deeg um and it's just a trio show no way so yep the three of us doing our some of our best stuff I reckon yeah so why 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 olives rise of the olive it's it's quite a quirky and irreverent title right why is why olives getting the title treatment this time around I think you will, this is going to sound shady, but you will have to come see the show to find out. <laughs> there is a lot of olive content um, and it's actually hard to remember where it originated from, you know, the core <laughs> idea of the olives. But um, yeah, if you see the show, you'll see why it's called Rise of the Olive. Is there, uh, are you all big fans of olives or is there a little bit of sort of disagreement around? I'm going to be honest, I used to be a really big fan of olives. Um, and now after doing the show a few times, slightly less of a fan. Yeah. <laughs> fair, fair. I don't recreationally olive anymore. No. I'm not, I'm, on stage, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Personally, not a huge fan either. But okay. hey, I'm, I'm willing to see. They're divisive, the sh- aren't they? Yeah, they are. They are. Exactly. <laughs> That's, it's, a, it's a good title. Um, <laughs> and I feel like in Wellington, I mean, there's, there's a real rise in circus style performance at the moment. I know we've got a school for it here now. Do you think that's a major factor why it's, like I think, to fringe time and there's just more and more circus style shows? It's really exciting, hey? Like, yeah, I think it's because circus is, it's so cool, it's so diverse, it attracts such a broad range of people. Um, and the Wellington Circus Hub up in Newtown is just such like a solid community that just grows and grows and grows. And there are more people being inspired to produce their own work. So I feel like a bit of like, I don't know, I'm kind of part of the wallpaper. I've been doing um, circus for over 15 years and involved mm-hmm. in the Wellington scene my whole life, really. Um, but it, yeah, I totally agree with you. Every fringe, there's like more and more circus. Yeah. So yeah, stoked to be part of this community. Yeah, and I mean, circus-style performance, it, it, it amazes you, right? It's amazing. But, <laughs> but what really takes it to the next level, in my opinion at least, is when you, there's other elements that go with it, right? When there's maybe storytelling or there's other things that work in sync with it. And yeah. I guess that maybe takes us nicely on to, to Dream Garden. Ooh, yeah. Is, is, is that kind of what's going on there? Yeah, Dream Garden is, is very different to Lazy Kiwi. I think, yeah, I mean, I'm biased, but I think both are really awesome shows like with a lot of like integrity like they know what they are and dream garden is so different to laser kiwi um it's it's for families um it's still circus and comedy but it's really gentle and it's like an aerial silk duet um so it's myself and the incredible jackson cordery um so it's a duo show and it's very nostalgic and whimsical and it's about dreams um and sort of like going on a journey into our dreams um through through like overhead projector art so nice. we're like kind of the main lighting source for the show is two OHPs which we wow. draw on and drop dreams onto um, and then we perform them through circus so through aerial silks in this show yeah and this is a show that's been on a real journey over yeah. over the years as well right how did how did the show first come about was it a desire for you and Jackson to do something together 
It came about, we presented it at a really awesome festival um, called Highlight, which was out in Lower Hutt. Okay. And essentially we were given a brief. It's like, hey, you're going to be performing in a beautiful garden um, and we'd like you to create a 30-minute show. So that was our brief and it just felt right to do something quite like gentle and soft and really like for the community. Um, the, beautif- the beauty of like street theatre is that it's like, for whoever wants to watch, not for the people who are already inclined to buy a ticket, you know? Um, So we just wanted to make it really gentle and welcoming. And these are, like, factors that we are, like, recrafting to bring that into the theatre. Nice. Yeah, because that show... Yeah, so that was 2017 that we debuted it. Wow. In Highlight Festival. Mm -hmm. And since then, yeah, it's honestly, it's been on such a journey. Like, we've taken it all around the country from Pi here down to Christchurch, I reckon, wow. is our full range mm. so far. Would love to take it further south. Yeah, um, come on, Dennis. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah come on. on. <laughs> oh, it's so far, oh my gosh. <laughs> and, um, and, and how is that, how's that evolving? Because you obviously highlights, you're, you're in a garden. Actually, yeah, highlights, That was used, people used to go out there in the thousands, right, because there was these incredible massive, like, light yeah. installations and stuff. Yeah. But then taking it inside a theatre, I guess the show had to, had to change quite a bit. It's almost... Um, in some ways, it's a lot easier, mm-hmm. I will be honest. Like, we don't have to contend with the wind. You don't have to contend with, yeah, other, like, environmental factors, like a truck going past or, <laughs> a, you know, a kid running on stage. Like, all of these things I love when we're on the street. But actually, like, in the rehearsal room and, like, gearing up to putting it on stage um, for Wellington, um, just coming out in the school holidays, is, like... I don't know, it's easier in a way. We can kind of like delve into more of the details and do a lot more like spectacular aerial silk work um, just because you know the, the silk isn't going to fly out from <laughs> underneath you. Yeah, yeah. And obviously this is a show for the whole whanau, right? So, totally. I mean, how much do you enjoy enjoy that aspect of it, right? That, that young audiences can come along and for some of them it might be one of their first times in a theatre, right? Or just inspiring them to maybe like, oh, I want to do that. I love it so much. (laughs) I do. I really do. And especially because the show is about dreams and about following them. And I know for myself and I know for Jackson to be circus artists is like, it is the dream. It's what we've been Mm -hmm. building up to our whole lives, you know, and we're like making it, well, it is a reality now. Um, And it's kind of cool to kind of share that in an abstract way in that show. The show is not about like follow your dreams and be a circus performer, but it's (laughs) like follow your dreams and be whatever you want to be. So we kind of, yeah. Yeah, it's very sweet. And we get, we do, there's a little bit of audience participation. So we bring um, sort of like in true street theatre style, we bring a couple of people on stage to kind of like um, share a dream with us. Um, so that's another way we're kind of bringing the, the street theatre world into the theatre nice. with us. Fantastic. Well, I'm very excited to see that that's on not this weekend, but the weekend after the 9th and 10th of July. I think there's two performances each day, so go and check that out. Um, Laser Kiwi is this week. Yeah, I know. We're kicking off on Thursday. Um, so excited. I mean, obviously, the last few years, obviously, incredibly tough, right, for all artists, because, you know, live performances, being in a room together is, like, one of the last things that they let happen, right? Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, but what, has there been a silver lining? Because, obviously, you guys have toured quite extensively around the globe, but you've been able to tour more of New Zealand, right, in the last two years than you would normally. Yeah, we have. I think, yeah, for Laser Kiwi, it's, it's so hard. I wish I could put on goggles and be like, where would we be, you know, if COVID <laughs> hadn't happened? Because we were really, like, we'd just got off a massive tour in the UK and we'd been touring really like consistently through Australia. So obviously all that stopped, like all that kind of like international growth stopped. Um, 
But yeah, being in Wellington as Laser Kiwi was awesome. Like it kind of, it gave us a lot of time to figure out what we wanted to do. Um, and that was kind of to create a more like, I don't know, exciting variety show scene in Wellington. So that was the beginning of Idiom. Right, okay. Which debuted, yeah, two, two years ago. Um, and we've got a massive season of Idiom in December. So we're doing nice. the full month of December oh, in wow. Te Awaha, which is going to be, yeah, it's going to be the best show yet. Yeah, that's, so that's awesome. The three of us from Laser Kiwi and seven other um, incredible variety yeah. performers. Yeah, that'd be the perfect way to, to round out the year, I'm sure. And of course, you guys have been sort of seen on, on screens this year as well, right? You, you appeared on TVNZ's talent show 60 Seconds earlier this year, winning approval from the Scouts. Thank you, Scouts. <laughs> um, I mean, w- w- can we expect to see some of what we saw on that in this latest Laser Kiwi show. I haven't seen it, but I did hear or read that Jenga was involved. There is, yeah. So in Rise of the Olive, we will be doing some of the stuff with the Jenga that you might have seen on 60 Seconds. Um, and also the the skill with Zane hanging upside down and juggling those the five bounce balls. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did um, on 60 Seconds. We do have that in Laser Kiwi as well. Um yeah, he kind of like, he's getting better and better at it. He's kind of breaking his world record on it every show. <laughs> he's pushing it as long as he can go. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, I'm very excited to see that in the flesh, not yeah. just through the TV screen. And what does the, after these these Wellington seasons, I know you've also got, is also Pictionary's coming back as well? Yes, Pictionary's coming back. So that's the first weekend of the school holidays as well. Cracky. Um, yeah, I know. I'm kind of <laughs> dawned today. I'm looking at my calendar going, oh boy, it's like nothing, 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 and then everything, but... It's the dream, like it's exactly what we should be doing. Um, Yeah, so Pictionary's coming back and then we kind of tour. We tour Dream Garden through the North Island over the next month Um, and we've got, we're kind of gearing up for Lazy Kiwi Rise of the Olive to travel through Australia next summer. Yeah, so we've got a couple more seasons in New Zealand before we do that. Nice, because as great as New Zealand and Wellington is, like Adelaide and some of those, like Perth and some of those big festivals in Aussie, they're huge, right? Like, yeah, they're big beasties. I do. I really miss them. I really, really miss them. But I also kind of want to create that here as well. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Well, yeah, I'm I, working I would, on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, I wish you all the very because that would be hugely exciting for for a lot of us here. Um, but for now, I'm really excited to see. Um, both Laser Kiwi and Dream Garden and Pictionary, if you want to go along to that as well. Mm. Check, check that out. We haven't really mentioned it, but yeah, it's happening um, <laughs> in the next fortnight, uh, bringing some cheer to these cool winter nights and days. Um, both shows, or well, three shows, are on in Te Awaha. Uh, Laser Kiwi is this Thursday, Friday and Sunday. Um, Dream Garden is the following weekend, the 9th, 10th of July. Tickets are available by going to teawaha.com slash events, or you can just search, just search Laser Kiwi, Dream Garden, Wellington on your search engine of choice and you'll surely find it. Um, Imogen, thank you so much for your time. I wish you all the best for all these seasons <laughs> and also going overseas to travel. And hopefully, yeah, we can have a chat in December for your big month for of idiom. Big old idiom. Yeah. I would love to come back and talk about that because we will be able to release who the artists are. That's all under wraps at Ooh, the moment. But yes. Yeah, very very Start speculating, which, yeah, which act could be in that. Um, all right. Thank you so much. Um, thank you. Waiting at Bats is what we're going to be discussing next. But first, here on Access Radio, let's play some new Kiwi music. Here is Silence is Golden by the Bats.
All right, that was the Beth Silence is Golden. The time is 23 minutes past five. You are listening to 106.1 FM, Wellington Access Radio. Big thank you there to Imogen Stone, all the show, all the shows at Te Awaha this week and next. But now at Bats this week, I'm very excited. It's felt like a long time coming, but it's here waiting. Uh, we literally have been waiting for, for, for this show at Bats. It's an evocative coming-of-age story. It celebrates uh, beat poetry delivered through physical grace. It's written and performed by Shardon Meredith, and Shardon joins me now in the studio. Welcome, kia ora, welcome to Access Radio. Oh, thank you for having me. Kia now, ora, kia ora. Now, tell me about this show. I mean, when did you first have the idea? What, what, what inspired Waiting? Um, so, Waiting's been in, in, the, um, in production for about, uh, going back to 2017, uh, where we were at the Nelson Fringe, um, and that was the first time that it was performed. Um, we had a great friend called Laura Irish down there who um, got us involved and said, you have to do a show, and I didn't have any material at the time, and I said, okay, let's get amongst it, because we were actually down in Nelson because we were nursing my mother-in-law, right, um, okay. who had terminal cancer at the time, so we were, uh, uh, Nelson is a real, uh, how do you say it, uh, industrial farm-friendly place. <laughs> so the the little community that was there, which included Laura Irish, um, we managed to get involved and get stuck in. And she said, "You need to do a show." So we did a show. Yeah, far out. That must. I mean, that must have been a crazy time with all of that going on. And also, like Nelson's not the place where you where shows generally get developed, right? Like, how, Ooh, yeah. how, I mean, how was that time? It must have been a roller coaster of. Um, it was a roller coaster of emotions, and my wife only jumped on board to direct the show because we're both actors but um, she has a great visionary brain um, but she jumped on it two month, uh, two weeks before show date um, because she was nursing her mother um, and we had left the highlights of Auckland and um, the acting industry there and so it was yeah it was a real tricky time to like uh, navigate yeah, yeah. 
for sure. And, and so waiting, it's, it's, it's a love letter written to your son, taking the audience through a journey of your life and, and breaking down that, that human condition of waiting. And I think, <laughs> I mean, waiting is probably something that many people can relate to, I think. I mean, certainly the last few years, right, we've all sort of been oh. just waiting for life to be able to return to some kind of normal. Or, um, yeah, I mean, what's it, what's it been like for you guys? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's pretty poignant in this point in time. Um, whatever kind of adversity or grief you've been through, I think waiting really kind of accesses that um, as an audience. Um, hopefully, that's the that's the kind of message I'm trying to trying to get out there is um, vulnerability and sharing that vulnerability and keeping the conversations alive about it because. Oh man, life is tricky as itself. But then add on COVID, and you're just like, whoa! <laughs> but yeah, yeah. And how's the show sort of evolved? Because I mean, it won five awards at the Nelson Fringe back in 2017. You've taken it and won awards in Whangarei at the Fringe there, Auckland Fringe um, last year. I mean, it, yeah, it's five years, right, since the show first got on its feet. How, yeah, how's it how's it changed as, as yeah over time? Um, so last year we went for some uh, we went for a boosted campaign um, to fundraise uh, to help us get into development of the show, and then we went for CNZ funding. So shout out to Boosted and CNZ. Um, and uh, yeah, so we did a development season with some incredible uh, artists. We had Sarah Foster Sproul on movement, um, Renee Lyons on dramaturgy, and uh, Brandon Haru on beat making, um, so that we could get a score. And um, yeah, and Pete, who's, who's our in house tech, so he has come up with this amazing um, lighting design. So it shifted. Um, I used to have some props in there. Um, and now it's just down to a chair, a light, a stool, and a, and a rug, and wow. me moving through space for an hour, for and talking, hour. yeah, <laughs> and, and talking and acting, yeah. Because was this or is this your was this your first solo show that you'd done? Uh, so I went to Toy Fukati and I had a oh, yeah. I had a um, solo there uh, back in oh, when was this? Uh, <laughs> Two thousand and nine. I uh, nice. um, graduated from Toy Fukati and yeah, we did third year solos there. Um, this is the, yeah, this is my first solo being a professional artist. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how have you found it? I mean, has it, has it been therapeutic for you to sort of go out? Because it, it, it's a personal story, right? Yeah, so that, it was really interesting. I mean, like, I didn't know what material to, I mean, poetry is really personal to me. Uh, back in 2017, it was even more personal and it was kind of like a Dear Diary situation and, um, I wasn't really willing to share it with anybody because I <laughs> thought it was way too one is cathartic and selfish of myself. It's like they're my they're my things, and right. I didn't really know how to place it. And it wasn't until Amelia came on board where she was like, "Oh, it's a letter to your son. Let's just frame it like that." Oh, letter to our son because that's our son. <laughs> <laughs> it's a letter to your son only. No, um, yeah, and that's that's how it all came about. about. So as time has gone on, we've got gotten really clear I still have to be really safe about it so this later season we got like therapy around me because it deals with some like heavy um heavy like mental mental stuff that I've gone through in my in my life um and so we've gone through like therapy and done some stuff about it and then also I got an amazing team around me um and being able to just tell the story with with emotion, like there's no, like I don't necessarily divulge into my emotion. That's for you to kind of take on board. Um, I just give you a, a, a kind of like a, what do you call it? A blank template. Well, a template for you to 
come to the conversation with, that's how we kind of go about it. Nice. Yeah. And has the show inspired lots of sort of those post-show conversations where, where you've taken it in the bar? Have people sort of come up to you afterwards and sort of oh, yeah. share their um, own? The, the response has been overwhelming. It's the, it's the little families that come up to me um, and just tell me, it's like, oh, your, your story has like, it's, we've related, it, related to it so much that um, we feel that and also like we can like dream around what, what is out there on our own life. I hope, you know, I hope like, you know, the conversations uh, are healthy and that we do, you know, move through it with, with ease because it can be hard. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, for sure. And I mean, what's, what's the plans for this show now then? Do you have plans to, to keep it on its feet and present it anywhere else after this, this Pornicky season? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we pitched at uh, Pans. Um, so we, we pitched there and we, we had a great campaign. Um, again, like the festivals are backlogged. Uh, because of COVID, uh, hopefully it gets like you know more legs. Uh, we're looking at Q Theatre next year, well, um, so we're in conversations with them. And yeah, as long as we can keep it running, because the conversation is so great around it. I mean, uh, men's vulnerability, mental health. Um, if you're a parent, if you're a child, um, you know, <laughs> uh, we all know parents, and we all know like being a, a son or a daughter, or you know, however you present. But yeah. Yeah. I hope the conversation keeps going. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I'm trying to think, I can't think of anything else out there in Aotearoa that's, that, that is like this, right? Like the, the beat poetry, the solo stuff. I mean, yeah. there, there, there is some, yeah, like, I mean, you've got like Dominic Hoey, he does a bit of like oh, yeah. sort of oh, poetry stuff. Yeah, shout out to Dominic Hoey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, is, it, is it kind of in a similar sort of ilk to? Uh, it's funny because like, I'm an actor by trade, full and fir- like, you know, right. first and foremost. And I think with like, you know, I take my head off to like beat poets because man, that's an incredible <laughs> art form. Um, it just managed to be like that, like it, it presents itself as a beat poetry, but like I do have like moments where I'm the actor telling a story and it comes off rhythmically. Um, more like Shakespearean kind of like wordplay, um, rapping. I love rapping growing up. Um, yeah, so that's how it kind of kind of presented itself. Um, but yeah, it's just just another way of trying to tell that story of vulnerability because that is hard mm-hmm. to talk about. Like you know, it's just like either it's done around alcohol or it's you know, done you know in the in a breakdown of somebody's life. So hopefully we can just like again make it easy and accessible yeah. to talk to talk. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, I'm really excited to see the show. I know there's been a lot of a lot of anticipation here in Pornicky for, for the show. Like when we saw it, it was like, oh yeah, this is cool. Like, oh, amazing. And yeah, I'm so blessed to like come down and, um, you know, bring it back to my hometown. I grew up in Wellington and yeah. it's got huge Wellington references to it. So <laughs> Nice, nice. Well, that will go down very well here indeed. Yes. Um, it's, it's, it's on this week waiting. It's, it opens tomorrow night, 7.30. I think that's pretty full. But So get in for all the other nights before they fill up as well. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, 7.30 p.m. in the Dome at Bats. Great to be in Bats as well. Like, oh. Awesome venue, Ave. Oh, it's a beautiful venue. Yeah, so nice to be um, back in Bats. Um, I don't think I've actually performed there since it's refurbishment. Oh, I think no I way. performed there way before that. Yeah. I'm getting old, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Shannon, thank you so much for coming onto the show and uh, break a leg for your open night. Hope Uh, it goes really well. 
Thanks, bro. All right. In a few minutes' time, um, we're going to be on the line with a film director, Peter Day. He's made this documentary, Off the Rails, um, about two teenage boys who do parkour stunts in the UK and high-wire urban stunts, and it's it's all about their sort of mental health and, and search for an identity. It's really cool, and uh, yeah, stay tuned. It's going to be on at the embassy later this week. But first, some more uh, new Kiwi music here on Access Radio. Here is The Black Seeds with Love and Fire. Feel my love You've got to reach out And touch my fire
the Black Seeds there. Love and Fire, you are listening to 106.1 FM, Wellington Excess Radio. Now, the Dock Edge Film Festival uh, moves into cinemas uh, this uh, week from Thursday night. And one of the films that you can catch this weekend is Off the Rails. Now, New Zealand director and producer Peter Day joins me on the line to discuss the story of two teenage boys who perform parkour and high-wire urban stunts. Uh, they sort of film themselves to gain prominence on YouTube and the like. Uh, we follow them as they figure out the pitfalls and prospects uh, life has to offer them, learning of stories of broken families, struggling mental health and the tragic death of a close friend. Peter, welcome to Access Radio. Kia how are you going? Yeah, good, thank you. Now, now, how did you first hear about these these two young teenage boys uh, in the UK? Well, I was living in uh, Britain um, at the time, and, I'd, you know, I'd been uh, making films here for a long time. And the BBC, a friend of mine at the BBC, wanted to do films about parkour. And I'd encountered these um, guys, and you know, just scrolling through the net. And um, thought to myself, this would make a really good story. Um, and then that's how I met that. Well, that's how I first saw them online. And then I, then the job of meeting them was, um, you know, I, I sort of went through Facebook and initially they didn't want to know about me. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you go about gaining their trust? I mean, obviously, yeah, you mentioned well, that. Was, yeah, I, I sort of went and saw them, uh, met them in the cafe in Guildford where they, where they lived and basically an emissary from Broome and, uh, sort of vetoed me, I guess. <laughs> and um, then they they had a sort of higher council meeting. Um, and I met them several times before I filmed them. And, you know, just normally when you ask someone to be in a film that the BBC are making, <laughs> or documentary, people, you know, bite, their, bite your hand off. These guys didn't want to know about it. They, they, they had the attitude, well, we have our own channel, and we're our own audience that we've, um, you know, we've we've grown, and we don't trust you. I mean, these boys were, were at the time they were sixteen, seventeen, and yeah, they they had hundreds, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of um, followers. For sure. So they 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 controlled the message, if you like, and and they kind of knew that instinctively. Yeah, I mean, from watching the film as well, obviously, we, you know, you see them at times go, having to go into court and coming out of court and stuff. They do, they do, you know, they're a bit wary of authority, right? I mean, with the amount of the brushes that they're having with the law and stuff like that, right? Yeah, they're, they're just, they're totally anti-authoritarian. And um, I found that really refreshing, to be frank. And uh, I tried to explore that and why, why that came about. And but that was that was later as I as I got to know them. Well, instinctively you watch their videos and you, you sense <laughs> they're sticking a finger up to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And I mean, like the film captures, or you see quite a few examples of of, of the stunts that they're trying to do and the, the parkour and climbing up heights. It's it's you know at some points my, you know my, my heart was in my stomach. I was like, oh my goodness, like you know I've got a fear of heights. I mean. How, how was that for you, sort of capturing that or, or getting that footage and using it in the film? Well, that was actually one of the, sort of ironically, one of the ambitions I had was I too, and you know, you don't want to get me in a gondola. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm terrified of heights. Uh, so I'd watch the material on, on my phone or on, on my computer screen and I'd get sweaty palms and I kept thinking to myself, imagine, imagine that on a huge screen 
um, in the cinema and something that we we digest privately, we would be sharing publicly in the cinema. And I thought that would be really great. And, and you could have this almost like the beginning of cinema when you know people would hide from the train coming towards them on the screen. And I, I wanted to do that. But, of course, you know, to have that ambition and to have it actually happen is, is you know, it's a long way at the initial stages. But that was the, one of the big motivations. For sure. I mean, because did you, I mean, how did you film some of those, some of those stunts? Or, I mean, was it all just footage that they captured themselves or did you use things like drones? Well, or? I can't really give you the trade secret, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, seriously, though, I wasn't, I wasn't, um, you know, technically you're not allowed to trespass. And, of course, the ethics were caref- carefully worked out. You know, again, over the years, I'd, I'd, I'd made films with some difficult people. And um, you work out what you're allowed to do legally and ethically. And these guys were going to do dangerous things. It didn't matter that I was going to be there. As long as I was in a public place and had all the requisite compliance issues around where I was, I could film them doing naughty things, as they would call it. (laughs) But but generally, um, I'd instructed them about the stuff I wanted, but they had intuitively grasped how to tell the story in dramatic ways. And again... I try to show that. Uh, I just try to show them explaining how to each other, you know, as they, they produce their little films. When I say little, I mean short. Um, and they try to give them really great production values, lots of different camera angles, use of drone, all these things that, that I was doing or any film production does. They work out, you know, where they're going to be and what the action is going to be and how to capture it. And... They, they, once I explained to them some of the things I needed, they would just have, they would sort of provide them for me. But most of the time, it's just their stuff. Nice, yeah. nice. And how long was the journey from from first trying to approach, you know, first approaching them right through to to when it first got in front of an audience? I mean, how how many years is, was the span? Well, most of the action takes place in 2019, mm-hmm. um, and then of course we all got locked down. And the world got locked down, and it, I'd come back to New Zealand. I hadn't been in New Zealand for, you know, working at least for decades. And um, and my producers, one was in Amsterdam and one was in Scotland and the other was in London. And I decided that um, we're, the whole world's locked down, we've got all these rushes, let's just start making the film. And it wasn't really our intention to start that, at that time. But we did, nice. and uh, and made the film that way. So I would, you know, I'd write notes and direct the film and send the ideas up to um, Amsterdam, and Rob would cut it and send it back Sorry. overnight. So it was done like that. So, so the short answer to that is about three years. Yeah, yeah. that's an, that's an incredible way to make a movie, right? Yeah, but I think that you know, um, that's how Steven Spielberg did it with yeah. Tintin. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, it's got better. You, know, you can you can do things remotely now that you could never do because the software is getting much much um, much better. It's not ideal. I mean, you, you want to be in the room with the editor, but uh, you can do it. You can do it remotely, which is what we've proved. 
Nice. Uh, and what's what's been a, a personal highlight for you when when Phil, when in the whole process of making this movie? I mean, the rece- it's had a fantastic reception so far, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it won um, best feature uh, doc at the Doc Hedge Festival. That was last week. Yeah. I mean, that was quite incredible. You know, knock me down with a feather kind of thing. I had no idea. I, I wasn't dressed right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but it was really it was lovely, um, and that was a big highlight. But you know, you don't make these things to win prizes. You make them to get audiences and make people talk about it and try to understand what I'm driving at and the plight of these lads. Um, I think they're really proud of the film and, you know, they're vulnerable men, you know, the young men, and they, you know, they really enjoy it. Um, and it wasn't always that way. For sure. And I mean, I think people, you know, getting this in front of young men to watch as well, I think there'll be a lot of people who'll, who'll relate to it and increasingly so after the last few years. I mean, how did, how did Ricky and Aidan find the film the first time you, sh- you screened it for them? Were you, were you nervous about showing them the final edit? We seem to uh, have lost Peter on the line now. Um, we'll just put a song on and see if we can get Peter back for the last few minutes of the show. Um, but yeah, if not, let's just play Marlon Williams with Thinking of Nina.
was a little Marlon Williams interlude, but I'm delighted to say that we've got Peter Day back on the line there. And of course, yeah, Peter, you were just saying how, how the film has, you know, won, an, won awards at the, uh, this year's Dock Edge Festival already. And, and, you know, that must have been an incredible honour, right? Yeah, it's, it's a marvellous thing. Uh, and it helps the, um, helps the film. There's no question about that. At the same, uh, this weekend it's also been out in Sheffield, which is the, um, the biggest British um, documentary festival. Nice. So that's been fantastic too. You know, I've had two screenings in two hemispheres. I don't know what the money would be on that happening. Uh, <laughs> of course, I couldn't be in both places at once. But the Dock Edge guys have been extremely um, supportive and helpful. And uh, I committed to them first. And so you have to honour that. And they've been fantastic. Nice. And you are going to be here in Wellington this weekend for the screening. Is that right? For a Q&A after the screening at the embassy? Yes, I mean, I will be, yeah, and um, I'm hoping, you know, people will be down there with their, you know, curly ones. <laughs> but of course, the reception that I'm most interested in hearing about is is um, Ricky and Aidan. How did they find the film? Were you nervous about showing them the final edit? Uh, initially, Ricky didn't want to be in the film, and uh, I got Ricky in the film, approved, uh, convinced him uh, to be in it, mm-hmm. and... Um, and we filmed away there, and it was all going hunky-dory, and then Aiden uh, dropped out, um, which happens uh, on documentaries, and he he decided he just wasn't in the right space in his, in his life to, to be in the film. Mm-hmm. And um, that, that, you know, we're, we're in a, we've been editing and trying to raise finance and stuff, and he's not in the film anymore, and this is a, a huge issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you really have to work hard to get him back in. And um, eventually I convinced him to watch the film in my office in London and with my colleagues. Uh, and, of course, I couldn't be there. I, I, I was, because um, we were in lockdown here in New Zealand. So I um, watched him watching it on FaceTime kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very worried. Uh, and then he just loved it. Um, he really saw what we were trying to do from the very, you know, he, he got it, basically. He, he was very worried that we were going to misrepresent him. Mm-hmm. And, it, and you know, it, it, which comes back to the initial reservations about first meeting me, uh, is this idea that these guys control their own message. And in a certain way, it's the first time in history that that people can self-publish in a way and reach an audience, and they understand that. And they were fiercely protective of it. And fortunately for me, um, I don't think the film, you could call it hagiography, but I think, I think we've been quite critical of them, but they understood that. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't always happen, Simon. You make films about people that don't necessarily always <laughs> allow you to show them warts and all. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> and have you, have you, do they, are they still self-publishing now? Are they still, are they still on YouTube? Have you sort of kept in touch oh, with, yeah, with their yeah, work? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think Ricky has an odd, you know, he's an, uh, you know, without revealing too much about the film, I think he goes on a, a real arc and mm. struggles with the things that he did. And he, yeah, he's, I think he's got most of his YouTube content is still up. Yeah. Nice, yeah. But, he, but yeah, he, it's fair to say he's, He's on a journey. Both of them, the young, the, you know, the young guys, and 
and the journey continues, you know. They, there's no full stops in this world, if you like. For sure. And yeah, you, I d- without wanting to spoil the film as well, there are some real poignant scenes um, in the film and, you know, we see the relationship with with, with the mother as well and, um, yeah, that certainly got me in the feels a few times. Um, but hey, what, what's next for you? Do you have another story that you're in, in the midst of hoping to tell or, or another film that you're working on at the moment or are you just quite enjoying getting this in front of audiences now? Well, I think you always have lots of irons and fires, um, there's too many to tell, really, but I'm very much concentrated on on this film um, because you've got to strike while well, the iron's hot. But I'm trying to work on a number of projects in uh, New Zealand as opposed to the UK. Um, so that's where the, where the next idea is going to come from. Fantastic. Well, we'll look forward to that whenever, whenever it eventuates. But for now, off the, off, the, off, off the rails. It's screening this Saturday, the 2nd of July at the Embassy Theatre. Tickets are available from dockedge.nz or through Ticketmaster. Do get, get along to this. It's a fascinating documentary and I, I can't wait to see it on the big screen. It'll, it'll have your heart in your mouth at times. Um, it is, I think, once the screening is, you know, if you just can't make it this Saturday, I think the film is potentially available on demand uh, on the website as well after Saturday. So do check it out however you can. Peter, thank you heaps for your time and uh, all the best with the film. Thanks very much. Thank you. All right, that is all that we've got time for on tonight's show. A big thank you to all uh, three of my interviews tonight, to Imogen Stone, check out um, The Dream Garden and Laser Kiwi, Rise of the Olive at Tiawaha, to Chardon Meredith, check out Waiting at Bats, and to Peter, check out all the Dock Edge features on the big screen later this week. But for now, Akashwani is on the way next. I'm going to play you out with the rest of Marlon Williams. Have a fantastic week, everyone. program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.